Hey folks, and welcome back to the Blue Light Podcast. This is the only place you need to be to learn all you need to know about the police recruitment process in the United Kingdom, or indeed anywhere in the world. So I'm Brendan, and over the past, my goodness, over three decades actually, I've been coaching and supporting people in the police sector, both as a police officer, and in particular over the past several years now I've retired, to help support people into the police recruitment process. A good 5,000 plus people are now in the police as a result of my support. So that's something that, it's been an absolute privilege actually, an honour. Um, I've just had a phone call about half an hour ago from someone just, just he's, sh- he's described himself as shaking because he's just got the news that he's passed everything and he's now in and he's been trying for six years. And so he, he was just, he was almost in tears. So it's just, just wonderful to hear about experiences like that. Um, he is saying, I couldn't have done it without you. He probably would have done it without me. It's just that I helped him get there faster. And so what are we going to look at this week? Well, um, you be aware that we've got a Facebook support group. There's almost 13,000 members now in the Blue Light Police Recruitment Support Group. Actually, if you click on the blurb, you'll find a link to it. So you'll, you'll be able to join it yourself. And if you are a member already, then thank you. You're making this particular group just sheer amazing. We've now got over 40,000 posts, comments and reactions every month. And they're all great questions and great comments and great bits of guidance. So this is the place you need to be. So over the past week or so, I've been paying particular attention to people who have been asking questions about their preparation for the process more than anything else. So Miles today asked a question about educational qualifications and educational routes into the police. Uh, Previously, people have asked questions about tattoos, uh, vetting, values, what skills I should be developing, what should I do to prepare. And so I've been drawing up this huge list now of all the things that I think you should be focusing on before you even get an application form. So that when when you get that application form, when the doors are open to recruitment and you've got the opportunity to apply, and for many of you, you may not be in a position to apply just yet, you may just have this as a lifelong dream, but you know that you're not going to be in a position for whatever reason. It might be age, it might be children, it might be someone you support in your family, or it might be your current contract. Whatever it is, for many of you, you're not in a position to apply tomorrow, but you might be in a position to apply in a year or in two years. So what can you do to get yourself application ready? That's what I'm going to call this, actually, making sure that you are application ready. Because the thing is, there's a lot of things that you need to do and be prepared for that you don't know about now. And that's why I've been drawing up this big list. Because what I want to do is make sure that you are absolutely application form ready so that from this point onwards, you've got actionable, specific things that you can be doing to make sure that when the application forms come out, you're going to nail it. And your application form is going to go through straight away without uh, coming back with a rejection, which is what a lot of people get. And when I look at the application forms, it, it screams out at me as the reason why you've been rejected. But for you, from this point onwards, you're going to have things that you can do. So I, I, was, I was going to call it the sort of top 10 things, but I'm just looking at my list. It's more than 10. So I think what I'll do instead of top 10 is I'll just keep taking you through these things until we get to about 20 minutes because that means it's the end of the podcast so um 
one of the things I'd like you to start thinking about if you're in this position is educational qualifications, because it doesn't matter how much of a good police officer you're going to be. If you've not got the right educational qualifications for the force you want to apply for, it's all immaterial. So that's one of the things to check out first is if you want to be a police officer, I mean, I can talk about other entry routes into the police another time, but if you want to be a police officer, some forces require you to have very specific educational qualifications or life experience. So as an example, Northumbria Police want you to have three Bs at A-level, which is the equivalent of 120 UCAS points. Whereas if we go across to the other side of the country, in Merseyside, my old friend Andy Cook, the Chief Constable, only wants you to have two GCSEs, one in maths and one in English. If you go to the Met Police, they only require you to have English GCSE, you can work on your maths as you're going through the police constable degree apprenticeship. So these are the entry routes to do the degree apprenticeship. This is the way all forces are going now. It's not that you have to have a degree to join the police, but you'll have to have a degree to be a police officer. So whether you've got the degree now and you apply and you go in the degree holder entry program, or you apply and then you go through the uh, police constable degree apprenticeship, you need to make sure you've got the right educational qualifications. And that's really important, especially when it comes to things like maths and English. And you might be asking the question, well, why do they actually require those two? Well, it's got something, it's something to do with the degree apprenticeship. Because as as a minimum to do a degree apprenticeship, you must have maths and English GCSEs. So make sure you've got the right qualifications. And if you're, your force that you want to apply for is asking for something that you're really not going to get. So three Bs at A-level might be quite a big target for you. And, and honestly, for some people, that might just not be achievable. But you've got it in you to be a brilliant police officer. Well, don't get disheartened. Just look at other forces. Go to Merseyside. It's a great force. I mean, um, the boss there, Andy Cook, the chief constable, what a gent. So um, the other forces will take you on but you're just going to have to move and uh, but shop around take a look ask questions find out what they're looking for and make sure you succeed in that now on that once you've got that certificate that says you've got your maths gcse don't lose it there are so many people i see in the group who say well i can't find my certificate anywhere how do i get a copy and getting a copy by all accounts looks like a nightmare So make sure you do look after those certificates. I've got my old certificates from when I was a child. Um, I don't know why I'm still keeping them, because I'm never going to apply for another job. But it's just kind of nice knowing that they're all in one place. I've even got my bronze medallion certificate for when I did my bronze medallion swimming life-saving award when I was, I think I was about 12 or something like that, 12 or 13. I'm really proud of that, and I've got my certificate in that bundle. All in one place, all safe. I know exactly where they are, so make sure you do that. So what other things do we need to start focusing on if we are preparing to join the police? Uh, Well, getting the experience that's needed so you've got things to talk about in the interview. There are so many people I come across who, when I when we, I talk to them on the webinars about the sort of things that you need to cover to answer certain questions. So questions like, please, can you tell me about a time when you've made a difficult decision where you've had to account for that decision to other people? Or please, can you tell me about a time when you've worked collaboratively with others to solve a problem or when you've taken the lead on solving a problem? And I get people saying, oh, I, I can't think of anything. Well, 
if you can't think of anything, then you might want to have a think about whether you are at the right place to join the police. Now, all the advertising says, come and join us, it's a great job, uh, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't actually cover the bit that says, and actually, this is what we're looking for in you. This is what we're looking for in an ideal candidate. And you are up against thousands you're up against thousands. Uh, just recently, it was announced in the press that 78,000 people had applied to join the police service over the past six months. That means that the government are pretty much on target to achieve its 20,000 uplift plus the 28,000 officers that are going to leave anyway over the next three years. So you're going to have to recruit 48,000 officers. So that sounds like a lot of places, doesn't it? However, only about one in 10 succeed. Only about one in 10 succeed. And the difference between that success and failing is having the experience in life to be able to talk about making difficult decisions, working with other people, managing change, doing the right thing, challenging inappropriate behaviour, working collaboratively with other people to solve problems. These are common questions because these are core things that you will do as a police officer. So what I recommend that you do if you are in a role that's not going to provide you with those opportunities, is find a role that will provide those opportunities. So if you're at school or college, get involved in volunteering. Do your Duke of Edinburgh. Push yourself. Uh, once you're 18, um, whilst other people might be out enjoying themselves on a Friday evening or a Saturday evening, wherever it might be, you'll, you're going to be out helping a homeless charity you're going to be on the other end of a phone for samaritans or the red cross do things like that special constabulary is good in that it gives you an insight into being a police officer uh, but one of the problems with a special constabulary is it can take a long time for you to get in and you're just running around going from immediate response immediate response immediate response type incidents and you're not actually developing the skills and working collaboratively with others to solve problems and many times, you're not actually in a position to be making difficult decisions where you're having to account for those decisions to others. And don't try and persuade me that making an arrest or a stop and search or using your powers of entry is a difficult decision. Because it's not. You're just following the law. So special constabulary is good to get an insight into what the police is like. Um, but I'd advocate go and do something else like homeless charities, mental health, community associations, uh, Red Cross, Samaritans, where you're going to come across highly vulnerable people that need your support, that need your support. And you're going to get a whole wealth of experience. I promise you this because hundreds of my clients have done this and they've all said it just works so well at the interview because it demonstrates that there's something more about you than their fellow, candid fellow candidates, even though they may be special constables or PCSOs and have got close social ties with the police already. But they'll recognise that volunteering. It's got such good currency in terms of the police recruitment process. The interviewers will recognise it for what it is because they'll know that aged 18, 19, you could have been out on the lash with your mates, but instead you're rolling your sleeves up and getting out there and helping people who are vulnerable. That will have huge, huge currency. And you've got the experience as well. Other little problems with being a special constable is if you pick up, a, pick up a complaint about you that could take a year to resolve, that's going to stop you actually progressing with your regular um, uh, application because they won't take you on if you've got a complaint outstanding because that complaint could 
result in you being found guilty of a misconduct or a gross misconduct, which could require you to be dismissed or final written warning or whatever it might be. But you're getting something like that before you've even joined as a regular. So they're not going to be too keen on that. And that does stop a lot of people. All right, what time are we up to now? Oh, we've got plenty of time. What else can we talk about? Yeah, so um, on on that volunteering, on that doing something that's a little bit more than, uh, okay, so I was doing my degree and I we had, we had this problem that we had to solve as a group and do a presentation. You know, honestly, you know, just boring. It's just part of your degree anyway. Same thing with uh, your studies at Sixth Form College. Or if you're in your midlife and you're thinking, well, do you know I go to work and I do my thing and come home? There's got to be more, folks. There's got to be more. What I'd ask you to do is take a look at the competency and values framework. Now, this is the framework that they're going to utilise to assess you against in any part of the recruitment process. This is for England and Wales. Actually, for the Police Service in Northern Ireland now, they're utilising the competency and values framework. So what I'd start doing is I'd start developing your skills and your values against that framework. Because if those are the questions you're going to get, and they are based on the CVF, then it makes sense, doesn't it, to actually develop your skills and and push yourself around those skills that are required. So, and this is not difficult, actually, because if there's change introduced in the workplace, then you become a champion for the change. You don't sit there on your backside saying, oh, this will never work. You're the one that's going, do you know, let's give this a go. And you focus on developing your skills around whatever the change is so you can help support other people. See, it's that simple. Because one of the questions you could get asked is, tell me about a time when you've helped others manage change. Boom. And you've got loads of experience. Uh, What else could you be doing? So there may be someone in the workplace who's being bullied or is being having, someone's making comments behind them behind their back. Are you the person that's going to sit back and listen to all of that and think, well, that's not very nice, is it? Or are you the person who's going to stand up against the bully? When I say stand up against them, I don't mean like walking up to them and saying, come on, right outside now. No, you're the one that's going to confront them. You're going to ask questions to understand where it's coming from. You're going to let them know that what they're saying is inappropriate because it's against company policy, company guidelines. You're going to highlight the impact it has on other people. You're going to look for solutions to help them through that because you don't know what the reasons are why they are bullying. It may be that they were bullied or they're actually getting bullied now. You don't know what their life is like. So you're going to follow a set process. Uh, I describe it elsewhere. I certainly describe it on my course. It's called CUTSA, Non-Contact Conflict Management Model. And you're going to cut to them and you're going to help support them through it and you're going to highlight to your boss that what they did was wrong but you feel as though you've dealt with it. There's a whole wealth of things you can do and if you've done those sort of things, when you're asked the question, please can you tell me about a time when you've done the right thing even though it would have, even when it would have been easier not to do anything, you've got a brilliant answer. You've got a brilliant answer. But you've got to push yourself to do those things. But, you know, the thing is, the the police aren't going to hand you a job on a silver platter. You should be pushing yourself to do those things. You should be continually pushing and developing yourself because that's what they're looking for in your role as a police officer. And why is it so important to stand up for other people? Well, I once heard this great phrase. I may have used it before. Please forgive me, but I'll repeat it again because it's so worth you thinking about. Uh, As a a chief inspector or superintendent from West Yorkshire Police, it was on Twitter a few years ago, he said he's looking forward to interviewing candidates for the uh, the police service today. 
and he's looking to find some really good candidates with strong character because people with strong character strong characters can stand up for themselves and i thought yeah okay yeah people with strong characters stand up for themselves yeah yeah i can see why they might be looking for that um and then he tweeted a few seconds later saying actually what i'm really looking for is a stronger character because the stronger character is the one who stands up for those who can't stand up for themselves and i thought oh that's beautiful that's wonderful that is i'm going to borrow that with pride i actually asked him can i borrow that with pride and he said yeah yeah go ahead so here i am borrowing it with pride but you know that's something to think about is this in your core you the person offers friendship to all no matter what their social background or standing you may be thinking that's a lovely phrase that brendan where did you get that from sir robert peel the founder of the British Police Service in 1829 said that as part of the Peelian Principles. So you've got to have these things as part of your core, as part of your DNA. And if they are part of your core, if they are part of your DNA, then you're going to find the application process and the whole recruitment process a lot easier than someone who expects the role to be handed to him on a silver platter, because it won't be. It won't be. And if you're thinking it's hard, well, it's always been hard. When I applied... Only one in 40 got in. That was in the 1980s for the Cheshire Constabulary. Only one in 40 got in. Now, they might have been exaggerating a little bit, but even if it was one in 30, I could absolutely believe it. Because there I was in 1985 in a big room with 20 other people, feeling actually quite quite sort of, oh, what's going to come next? And look at all these people. They're all going to be better than me. And everyone's going to, you know, if you're feeling that way or you felt that way, it's perfectly normal. But out of that 20 or so, I didn't see any of them again. That was it. I was the only one that got through. Uh, there were 12 of us that went up into the Welsh mountains to the Dovey Outward Bound Centre that the police owned in, in North Wales, or mid-Wales. Uh, 12 of us went there for three days and two nights. Only two of us got through that. Ten were failed and two were passed. Uh, myself and uh, Graham, uh, bless his soul, he passed away a year after he retired uh, from cancer. So, bless his soul, Graham, what a guy. There's only two of us that got through. So, it's always always been hard, and you've always had to work for it to make sure you can get through first time. Okay, let's see how we're doing for time. Uh, oh, right, okay, what else can I get in? Oh, there's loads in my list. I've got it in front of me. I wish I could show it you. <laughs> there's so much here um, to tell you, all these things that you don't know. Uh, what else? Values, yes. So, this links with the um, competencies that you're going to develop. Start thinking about what values are important to you. Um, they don't necessarily have to be from the competency values framework. They don't necessarily have to be from the code of ethics. I can remember one of my clients once, um, when I asked him that question in a coaching session, he said, well, a value that's really important to me is compassion. I thought, that's interesting. So I then asked him, well, if this is really important to you, can you tell me about a time when you've demonstrated that value? And he did. He went on to give me a great example of when he offered compassion to someone. And I think that's um, a really good value for a police officer to have. And he, indeed, he used that at his final interview. And indeed, he got in. But start thinking about what values are important to you. What do you stand for? What is it that you would stand for to support other people, to, you know, when people ask, well, actually, here's a thing, go and ask them, go and ask your friends and family, what is it I stand for? What values do I stand for? When you look at me and talk about me in terms of values, what are the first words that come to mind? 
and then think of times when you've demonstrated those values because this could crop up at your interview as well right other easy things for you to do um once you've chosen your force start thinking why because i live here isn't good enough because if you try and give that as an answer you're going to fail what is it about that force that's special and this is that corporate knowledge that you're going to need to develop get a really intense interest in the force that you want to join actually the, in the police in general every day you should be doing something taking some kind of action that's going to take you closer to the point when the application forms come out or you've got the application form in your hand and you are application ready it's not going to happen by osmosis folks i'd get yourself a little day book or a diary and every day I'd be compulsive about this. I'd be obsessive about it. I would build up this, this culture of motivating yourself to do this because at the end of it is going to be a warrant card in your pocket. Just imagine that moment when you're at the passing out parade. That wonderful moment when you are given the order to march off and you feel like throwing your hats in the air and, you know, that's what you do. And you, you've got a warrant card in your pocket. You are an attested police officer. You've sworn your oath to the Queen. Now, that, like I said before, that doesn't happen by happy accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis. And they don't owe you a living. So it's not going to happen to you. It's not going to give you on a silver platter. You're going to have to work really hard for it. So the people who get through first time, these are the people who do make records of this is a difficult situation I dealt with today. And they write about it. This is something I learned about the force today. And they write about it. This is a contact I made via Twitter who had something really interesting to say about stop and search or about uh, racial inequality within the police. Follow interesting people. And if you're thinking, I don't know which interesting people to follow, then just follow my account on Twitter. Just go to at Blue Light Info. You'll see that there's about 13,000 plus people follow me and I follow about 7,000 people. I'm not suggesting follow all 7,000 people that I follow, but just look on a daily basis to see who who do I like, what com what things do I like, because I tend to like things or retweet things that are going to be useful to you. So that's a really easy one, isn't it? You know, just, just follow Brendan on Twitter and see what he likes and retweets. If he likes and retweets it, then it's going to be valuable in the police recruitment process. So there you go. There's another little gift for you. So folks, oh, I've got so much more in my list here. I've got so much more in my list. So what should I do with this? Oh, you know where this is going, don't you? And I'm actually doing this at the moment. I'm creating a new course. I'm creating a new course. I spoke about it on the Facebook Live uh, last week, how uh, we were just talking on the Facebook Live and people were getting involved in the chat and they're asking me things in the comments. And I was talking about this exact thing, preparing to join the police, getting yourself application form ready. And someone actually said, why don't you do a course on it? And I thought, yeah, why don't I actually? Because people were saying, you've got all of this amazing knowledge. You've got this incredible knowledge of what works and what we should be doing to prepare ourselves for this journey. Why don't you turn it into a course? And then I started thinking, yeah, that would be brilliant. What a course that would be. It'd be outstanding. All of this learning that I've picked up over 30-something years, sharing it with, with you so that your application form ready. And then we got talking about how much would it cost. And I thought, you know, I I almost feel like not charging people. But they have to remember, this is this is how I make a living. This, this is my living. This is not my, pri well, it is pri my primary source of income now. Um, 
didn't used to be. I did a whole load of things with police forces and councils around complex problem solving and community engagement, but I'm doing less and less of that now. Uh, out of choice, you know, out of choice. Uh, I prefer to be at home more than going to spend three days away somewhere in the country. I want to be with my family more, so it's out of choice. So then I started thinking, what would people invest in? How much would people invest in their future to ensure that their application form ready? Well, if it was me, I'd invest hundreds. But then I know that if you're at sixth form or if you're at university, you don't have hundreds for this. So what sort of things are a liability in your life? When I mean a liability, these are things that you spend money on and it's gone. It's just gone. You've had an experience, but it's gone. You've got nothing but a memory. And in five years time, you probably won't even have that memory. So I started thinking about, well, do you know, every now and then I get, we get a takeaway. It's a bit of a treat for the family. How much would you spend on a takeaway? And I started talking about this on the Facebook Live and people were making all sorts of jokes about it's not just any course, it's an MNS course. Or, and I'm quite, I can't remember what the joke was now, but it was funny at the time. And so what I've decided to do is when I've got the course ready, I'm just going to tot up how much my favourite takeaway meal would cost. And that is a duck penang. I love Thai food, by the way. Uh, duck penang with uh, coconut rice and uh, some kind of side dish and a beer and that's it whatever that costs is how much this course is going to cost so would you be prepared to spend let me know would you be prepared to spend the cost of a takeaway on your future you're going to invest instead of having a takeaway one night you're going to invest that money in your future would you be prepared to do that if you knew that when the application forms came out, you were absolutely application form ready. Anyway, let me know. Let me know what you think, folks. Um, I'll let you know when the course is out. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm looking at doing like fortnightly webinars to go with it for people who are on this journey. Honestly, you guys who are going to be on this, you're going to be so, so application form ready. There won't be any of this. I don't know what I don't know business. You will know exactly what you need to do right from the offset to get yourself to the point where you're going to succeed in every stage of the recruitment journey all the way to a warrant card in your pocket and beyond and beyond because one of the things I want to make sure that you all have is not just a successful career but a fulfilling career and there's a huge difference between the two you can have a successful career but if it's not fulfilling then it's empty and it's meaningless and that's a great thing about being a police officer is that you can design your own amazing successful and fulfilling career so when you retire or resign with honor you can look back on it and just go do you know that was amazing i feel fulfilled i feel like i've achieved something in my life and that's the wonderful thing about being a police officer it might sound cheesy but it's true it's true it's true it's true Alrighty, folks i've just seen the time it's 26 minutes i always end my podcasts around now so it's 26 minutes into this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one. I hope you got something out of it. Even if you are in the recruitment process, it might have just jogged your memory about a few things that you just need to do. Or if you're already successfully at the recruit end of the recruitment process, well done you. Well done you. A bit like James today who rang me up. He was so excited. He was shaking. He said, I'm shaking because I've just heard I've been successful. Couldn't have done it without you. Well, listen, you probably would have done it without me. I've just shown you the way you've done the hard work and you've got through a lot faster than you would have 
normally because I'm not interested in people people failing so they can pass next time. I want you all to pass first time and succeed. Warrant card in your pocket, amazing, successful, fulfilling career. That's what we're about. Anyway, if you want to join other people who are like-minded and if you're not in the group already, come and join the, poli- the police recruitment Facebook support group. Let's bump it up to 13,000. Let's see what we can do. Come and join it. There's a, a, a link in the blurb attached to this podcast. Come and join that group. I'll see you in there. Otherwise, I look forward to meeting you over the world of podcasts next week. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye for now. Bye.